Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Good evening. Hey, it's good to see you guys, man. I appreciate that. Man, it's good to be back in the building. We had a little uh, slightly different way that we did service last week. Who was here for it? Okay, primarily the guys. (laughs) Because the guys met in person down in our V2 building, and the ladies uh, did a Zoom call. We've been in this series called Authentic Relationships. And the heart behind this series is just really what it sounds like, is us pursuing authentic relationships Uh, with each other. We started off talking about having an authentic relationship with God and how that's the foundation of everything. He sets the tone for everything. He sets the standard for everything. But Jesus said that the, the greatest commandment of them all was to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all of your strength and also to love your neighbor as yourself and how they were equal And so we've been diving into some of that. Uh, I've really enjoyed this series. How many of you guys have appreciated this series? Good, 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 good. Because I think this is really important for a gathering of people to appreciate us talking about having authentic relationships. Uh, Because if we're gathered here together, but we don't have any relationships with each other, then why are we gathered here together, right? This is what God wants. Jesus said that he would build his church He didn't just say that he would build an uh, individual relationship with you and each and every individual that uh, he saves. That is true. He wants an individual relationship with you, but he also deeply desires for us to have authentic relationships with each other. Has anybody found that that can be a challenge? Right? We talked about having authentic relationships with people in church, and that was a fun message. Uh, where we got to talk about some fun things. And last week was really cool. I heard that the ladies' call was great, uh, diving into some things that are more lady-specific, right? And then uh, with the guys, we had a great time diving into some things, you know, just some guy time where we're able to talk about some things that are uh, somewhat unique to our experience. And we were able to talk, do a little Q&A, and it was fun. It was fun. And one of the hot topics as we split off Uh, as you guys would know or assume, was this concept of relationships, romantic relationships, right? Would you guys say that that's a kind of a hot topic in life period? Have you found that you may need some wisdom or guidance uh, on how to navigate romantic relationships? (laughs) Yes. It's important, and we think that it's really important. And I feel like God shared something with me recently uh, to speak on, because we were, we we talked about a lot of different ideas about how we would do tonight's uh, message, and we talked about really diving into the nuances in different romantic relationships and different stages of your life. And we were going that direction, and then I felt like the Lord redirected us. Uh, And so it's not that we're not talking about romantic relationships. It's just that I really do feel that God gave me something particular, unexpected and particular for tonight in regard to romantic relationships. And tonight's message is called Mind Games. Mind Games. Because underneath uh, all this desire for us to have some wisdom when it comes to romantic relationships, when it comes to how to navigate this area of our lives, there's an air of confusion. There's an air of confusion. There's differing opinions everywhere as to how to go about every aspect of relationships. And I don't believe that God wants his people to be confused. And I actually believe that it's a tactic of the enemy that he's using confusion to actually sever relationships in our lives, 
to keep us stagnant when it comes to relationships in our lives, to have us involved in the wrong types of relationships, because there's just not a ton of clarity for a lot of us when it comes to this area of our lives. For me, it's taken some time for me to get clarity. And before I was walking with Jesus, there was definitely no clarity. There was, you know, you just kind of do what you want to do. But how many of you guys know that there is, there is a way that seems right to a person, the Bible says, but in the end leads to death. And so we can have ways that seem like the right direction to us and it not be good at all. And that's really what I experienced for the most part uh, was my way seemed right to me, but it wasn't the right way. And, but God's way is always for our good. The enemy wants to come in. How many of you, do you guys know that there is an enemy? Let's talk about that for a second, because that has a lot to do with tonight's message. Uh, we have God who loves us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. The Son of God steps down from heaven to redeem mankind from sin, gives his life on a cross, resurrects from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit and at the will of the Father. The Father sets the plan in motion. The Son acts out the plan with the power of the Holy Spirit. Then the Son of God, Jesus Christ, resurrects, ascends into heaven after giving a commission to his followers to go out into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, but before you go anywhere, wait for the promise that will come from heaven. And the, his people are gathering together. He sends his Holy Spirit. Uh, and a lot of cool stuff starts happening. You can read the book of Acts. And... This is amazing. But one of the things you'll see all throughout scripture is we have God, but it says that God created the heavens and the earth. And so the spirit realm was here before the physical realm. You guys following me? The, the spirit realm was here before the physical realm. And he created the heavens and the earth. Angels. There's a story in the Bible about some angels falling from heaven. And we have in the garden, we have the serpent tempting Eve and Adam getting them to step away from God. All this is a deeper plot than what our eyes can see. And in short, what we see taking place is we have God, we have heaven, but there's also a demonic realm. And so there are spirits who don't want things for your good. There are spirits who want to get involved in your life and want to change certain things and don't want you to reach what God has for you. And a lot of us may not live very aware of this. Some of us may feel like, oh, that's ridiculous and foreign, but a lot of us know that it's true. And this is why we see that our entire world is fascinated with it, that everywhere you look, it's supernatural this, supernatural that. There's movies, there's TV shows. We're fascinated with it because a lot of it's true. And we know that it exists. So how does this relate to relationships? Well, I believe that there's an enemy, but not just one enemy. It's, we have the devil, but then there's also all kinds of other spirits under his authority um, that bow to the authority of Jesus, but nevertheless are under the authority of Satan. And they endeavor to cause confusion. And so what we wanna talk about tonight in a slight turn of events is how to navigate psychological warfare and mind games. Because here's what I know. Some of you guys are like, I don't see how, this, how these things are connecting. Here's what I know. A lot of you are dealing with serious challenges up here when it comes to relationships. There's disappointment, there's sorrow, there's broken hearts. There's God, why didn't you do this? God, I thought you were gonna do this. God, you said this, you said that. Somebody at church told me this, told me that. And we can have all types of ideas, 
thoughts, expectations, desires, when it comes to this, and I believe that this is one of the most dangerous areas of our lives or one of the most beneficial and fruitful areas of our lives. And so God wants to bless us in the area of relationships, but the enemy wants to destroy us through relationships. And I believe, even as we're talking about romantic relationships, that one of the primary issues that we have is there's a slight uh, disorder when it comes to our priorities, when it comes to romantic relationships. And has anybody ever heard of yeast? You're like, uh, yeah, I think so, right? Have you ever heard of leaven? Okay, it, it, it causes cakes or breads to rise. Um, it's an ingredient in some really delicious things. But have you ever heard of baking powder? It kind of does the same thing. It, it causes uh, flour or dough to rise. And it's great. You enjoy it in cakes, you enjoy it in breads, you enjoy it in a lot of different things. Have, has anyone ever tried to eat baking powder alone? If you have, you probably have found that that's not the move. Has anyone ever tried to just eat yeast? Nah, right? That sounds disgusting, right? Because something can be good when it's a part of something, but when it becomes the main thing, it can be off. And I, I feel like what the enemy and the demonic realm wants to do is to distort our perception on some gifts that God has given us that includes some good things by taking one thing, making us hyper-focus on it, use it out of context, and then it's no longer that good of a thing. And so, for instance, even if we're talking about romantic relationships, I don't know if you guys know this, but romance is not the key ingredient for your life. Romance is not your purpose. Romance is not why you were placed here. However, as we go through life, society, media, the things we take in can convince us otherwise, where we spend our lives yearning for romance. But it's like yearning for baking powder. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing, and it's great when it's involved in the right recipe. But out of the right recipe, it doesn't work. How do I know it doesn't work? Well, if you look at the breakdown of the family in our society, everybody prioritizing and pursuing romantic relationships and yet anxiety, depression are rising rapidly. Also, STDs are at an all-time high in the US right now for like the sixth year in a row, all-time highs. So. We can look at some of just the statistics, things that are taking place, and see maybe we don't all have it all figured out in this area. Would you agree? And here's what I know about you and your life. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. Everything that God wants for you is good. He has eternal life that he's offered you, salvation, forgiveness of your sins, the washing and cleansing of your mind, of the way that you think, and he wants to transform you to think like him in a holy and good way, and he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. I know that about you. But his blessing is connected to his plan for your life. And as you walk in his plan for your life and you walk with him, you start to see his blessing on your life. Because God has placed you here to build alongside him. He placed Adam in the garden 
to tend the garden, not just to enjoy Eve. If you go read the creation story, God creates earth and he creates this garden. He creates all these things and he says, there's no one to manage it. So let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. And, and he formed mankind out of the ground. And what did, what did he do? He gave him an assignment to start working, to start building. Then he said, it's not good for him to be alone. I want to, I want to make him a helper that's suitable for him. Say helper. That means something is, needs to be done. She's here to help him accomplish what God has destined him to do. And now he's destined them to do together. And then it says that God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth and everything in it. He told them to exercise dominion over everything. He gave them rule, he gave them reign. How many of you guys feel like that sounds like a good thing? Then they fell, but now Jesus has come to restore this same type of relationship with you and I. But it's not, it's not just about the Adam and Eve experience with each other. The romantic piece was, the, was a gift and a beautiful gift. He didn't just say be fruitful and multiply, don't like each other, but <laughs> he, wanted their, he wanted everything to work together. He wanted them to enjoy each other and enjoy him while doing what he created them to do. And God has work for you to do. God has building that he wants you to do. God has put gifts inside of you. God has put talents inside of you that he wants to come out. In our church, we've been in a series church-wide called Emancipating Greatness, talking about freeing the greatness that's on the inside of you. But what I've found is a lot of us are not building because we're focused on romance. Whether we're single and we're yearning for it, whether we're married and then we're just consumed by it, or married and mad we don't have it, dating and in the, midst, in the mix of it all. And I believe that God is giving us a call back to first things first so that everything will start getting in order. And that's why we couldn't just dive into talking about the nuances of relationships, because if we don't understand the why, if we don't have a goal, if we don't have something we're moving toward, it's hard to work through things. It's hard to know what to say yes to, what to say no to when you don't know where you're going. How do you know what to put on if you don't know where you're going? If I just showed up at your crib in the morning and said, hey, we about to go somewhere. Could be a wedding, could be four-wheeling in the mud. Wouldn't you feel like, I need to know kind of where I'm going. But society will have you convincing your relationships that that is where you're going, just into relationship. That's not how it works. God has us going somewhere. He has you going somewhere. And he wants you to have an authentic relationship with him and be able to hear his voice in order for him to lead you and guide you along that path. And yes, he may wanna join you with someone and then you guys be moving that direction. But the enemy would love for you to never do what God is calling you to do because what God has you doing is building his kingdom, which drives out the kingdom of darkness. And so I want us to look at uh, some scriptures tonight in regard to this area. And yes, this has to do with relationships and we're gonna talk about different aspects of relationships, but this is bigger than just relationships. This is for anybody, wherever you are in life. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm not really thinking about relationships right now. That's not really what's on my mind. Well, I guarantee you, you need to know how to manage your mind and how to navigate 
the warfare that takes place because the enemy's very slick. And so he may attack certain circumstances, but more than anything, he's going to be testing you here. And if you think that you're exempt, uh, even Jesus Christ was tempted by the devil, tested by the devil. And, set, and then he, he responded in the perfect way. And then scripture says that the, the devil just left until a more opportune time, meaning he planned on coming back even to test God himself. And so if you think you're exempt, you're wrong. But God wants you to be victorious, just like Jesus was victorious in his engagement with the enemy. And so I want to pray for us. And as I say all the time, I encourage you to pray for yourself in this time, because I think that this is a message that you need more than you even realize. And this is something that I'm that I'm praying we'll take with us. We'll carry with us that God will bring some freedom into our lives and that he will expose some things that are going on and we'll start seeing uh, some change in a lot of different areas of our lives. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. Lord, I thank you that your heart for us is to have you and have the best of all you have to offer. Lord, you said that you have guaranteed us an inheritance, Lord, when we're found in Christ. Lord, that you have a glorious inheritance awaiting us, Lord, that every plan that you've put in place is for our good, Lord, and that you want to prosper us and not to harm us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to navigate this area of our lives, Lord. Uh, just the, the warfare that takes place in our minds, Lord, the, the battle that takes place day in and day out that a lot of people don't see or hear, but we know is taking place. And Lord, specifically when it comes to this area of relationships where a lot of us are hurt, um, and feeling sorrow and feeling pain. Lord, I pray that you would bring some healing to us tonight. Lord, that you would help us to lift our heads, Lord, that you would help us to see with kingdom vision, Lord, and see with eternal vision, Lord, that you would give us your perspective, the gift of your perspective, God. Bring us peace as we receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as I mentioned, um, I really do believe that you're called to build. Do you believe that you're called to build something in life? Yeah. Raise your hand if you believe that. Hold it up for a second. If you believe you're called to build something in life, that God has created you to build something, say, I am created, I am created. To, build to build with God. With God. Okay. I need that to be stuck here as we're talking because that's what this whole scripture we're gonna read about is about. Uh, we're reading in the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, it's, it's interesting, he, where he is in the biblical timeline is after the Jews come out of exile. And so there was a period of time where they were exiled or sent away from the promised land that God had given them, and they were taken into captivity because of their rebellion against God for hundreds of years. God's like, all right, finally, you guys don't want to listen to me. You want to continue to rebel. You want to continue to pursue everything like these nations around you. Now I'm going to give you into their hands because I've been protecting you. And so they went into captivity. And when it was time for the captivity to be over, their promised land had been destroyed. It had been burned. The temple knocked down, destroyed, burned. Everything was destroyed. Some of you guys may, have, may remember last summer a message called Walls and Gates where we were talking about uh, boundaries in your life and how um, what needed to take place was the temple needed to be rebuilt so that they could be worshiping God again. But before they could build the temple, they had to build the walls around the city because what good is an unprotected city? Why build and build and build and it's just vulnerable the whole time to get ransacked or raided? And so they went on this project to rebuild the walls because God told them to. But there was an enemy that was threatened by the building of this wall. And I want us to pay attention as to how the enemy tried to stop the building of the wall because it wasn't really with power, it wasn't with violence, it was really all mental. And God has called you to build something 
But the enemy is trying to attack in the area of your mind to get you to stop, to get you to give up, to get you to tap out, to get you to step away from God's plan because it infringes on his plan. Following? Cool, so in Nehemiah 4, verses one through three, it says, now when Sanballat, that's the enemy, says, heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Now they, that may not seem like much to you, but he was, they were really roasting them. Like really hard, actually. So much so that they were trying to cause discouragement to get them to stop building. Here's why I wanted to talk about this, because I know that the enemy tries to do this with us. And especially when it comes to relationships, what he was asking is, he's like, those feeble Jews, they had just come out of exile. So yeah, they were feeble, they were weak. So he's trying to remind them of their weakness. Has anybody ever felt thoughts in your mind accusing you of your past? You want to move forward, but you're being told you're not worthy. You're being told about your sins, constantly playing in your mind. Oh, no, you're not good enough. You were supposed to be married by now. God doesn't love you. God said he would do this. Oh, he didn't do that. Everybody else has these relationships. Oh, or th their relationship looks great. Y'all you, are struggling. Oh, you, you see on, on IG how, you know, this dude's girl got him this. Why, why doesn't your wife do that for you? Why doesn't your girl do that for you? Oh, you're still single? I thought God was supposed to come through for you. Has anybody ever experienced lies? So if we're talking about, we're talking about three psychological warfare tactics of the enemy, and number one is lies. I saw this quote, it says, psychological warfare can use truths to which people are sensitive or half-truths or falsehoods to intimidate the enemy. So some of us are sensitive in this area, certain things that we've been through. We may not feel qualified for certain relationships. We may not feel qualified or desired or wanted. And then what do you know? You'll have a voice in your ear affirming all those things or you're, you're feeling like you moved past certain things, right? And then somebody, you know, randomly comes to attack that area, speak something negative, touch on that sensitive area. Why? Because there are demons who know your past, who know your sensitive spots, who wanna use people, and even want to use what you feel are your own thoughts and you can have a demon talking to you and think it's your own thoughts. And lies is one of the number one tactics that the enemy uses. And we talk a lot about spiritual warfare and I'm kinda using them interchangeably in a sense here. Uh, there are some slight differences, but I feel like one of the primary aspects of spiritual warfare is psychological warfare. A lot, of, a lot of the warfare, a lot of the battling, a lot of the wrestling that takes place spiritually is really taking place right here. And the weapons that we have to fight back are spiritual weapons. The, the enemies that we're fighting are spiritual enemies, but the battle is taking place. The battlefield is our mind. And lies is one of the number one things. And this is rampant across 
our whole culture, across our entire society, uh, so many of us would have different ideas on what, what romantic relationships really should be about, what marriage is, how important it is, all these things. And some of our perspectives are shaped based on lies. How much of your perspective, when it comes to romantic relationships, right? How much of your perspective is based on the word of God? Some of y'all are like, I don't think the Bible talks about that. (laughs) Everything that we need to live this life, we can find in God's word. But many of us are having our perspectives, our desires, everything shaped by culture, by popular opinion that continues to change. You may have a different perspective on how, how your relationship should be now than you did a year or five years ago. And it may not be due to growth. It may be due to a difference in popular opinion. Now what's popular has changed. So now your expectation has changed. What if we allow God to set the standard in our lives and then we'll be able to recognize a lie? Now, one of the primary things that we could talk about is sex. So I will say from my experience, there was a good chunk of my life where I did not see uh, sex outside of marriage being the worst thing in the world. Waiting until marriage for a while sounded really great, but then you get more acquainted with cultural norms. You get more acquainted with different peer pressures, desires, all these things, and it it just starts changing, right? And then after a while, the concept of doing things that are doing things God's way seems foreign. It actually seems like wild, ridiculous. The idea, especially as an adult, right? As a single adult, the idea of abstaining from sex in our culture is kind of wild anywhere outside of the church. Has anybody found that? It doesn't come natural to us. And not only is it difficult, but it actually can be somewhat ridiculous in some of our minds. Why? Because we can become so acquainted with lies that we actually receive them as truth. And so when you're bombarded with messages all the time, I mean, from the time you wake up in the morning until you go to bed, you are preached to about sex nonstop. Everything that you turn on, whether it's your phone, you open up whatever website, blog site, social media site, you go into work, conversations at work, you go into school, conversations at school, teachings at school, health class, whatever it is, everywhere you go, you're being told something. And typically, you're not being told anything scriptural. You're being told the wisdom of the world. But there's a, there's a Psalm, in Psalm 1, it says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And that word blessed means happy, He's saying you'll actually be happy, 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 happy is the person who does not walk in the counsel, in the advice, in the ways, in the patterns, in the suggestions of people who are not connected to God. Because there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. And as I mentioned before, you're preached to about sex all the time, and yet how many of you find it hard to find a healthy relationship around you? Everybody has an opinion and and thoughts about sex, right? But who can actually point out 10 healthy relationships right now? Relationships that you wanna emulate seem harder and harder to come by. Especially when, I mean, it's easy to to post a picture, but people you know, when you actually get inside people's lives, and especially people who are, 
and you can say this about people who are in the church as well, but I'm going to say not doing it God's way, I rarely see it work out in a way that's desirable to me. And yet you will constantly be bombarded with messages trying to convince you of otherwise. This is gonna make you happy. This is gonna make you happy. This is gonna make you happy. God's trying to not make you happy. God's trying to keep something from you. God's trying to constrain you, restrain you. He's trying to not let you have fun or these ideas are archaic, they're traditional. All these things, they're old. How are we still doing these things? Well, if we just look at what society would be like by actually following these things to the heart and to the T, the results are astronomically different. I mean, can you imagine if each and every single human being waited until marriage and a healthy marriage and a marriage that's blessed by God and has a mission connected to God and both people in great relationship with God waited until that time to have sex? Can you imagine what the family structure in our nation, how different it would look? STDs would not be on the rise right now. They wouldn't because it would be difficult for them to spread. But outside of that environment, it's easy for a lot of toxicity to spread. Y'all all right? <laughs> and so the truth, Jesus says the truth will set you free. And he's saying this to a group of people who don't even believe they're slaves. When he says, they say, how can you say we're gonna be set free? We've never been slaves. And he says, whoever sins is a slave to sin. And yet we live in a world full of sin and people saying that it's freedom. And yet where does it lead? God has a better way for us. An easy way? I'm not gonna say that. A way that everybody understands, I'm not going to say that. But it is a way that you can understand the more you get to know him. And you will see the beauty in the more you get to know him. But lies is one of the number one tactics of the enemy to wage war on your mind, and especially in this area of relationships. Why? Because he wants to get you to stop building. The reason that the enemy was saying this here uh, was to get them to stop building. He's making jokes to intimidate them, trying to get them to just put it down. Like, man, y'all are weak. Y'all really gonna be able to do this? And then his homeboy's like, yeah, you know, they're building a wall and it's gonna fall if a fox jumps on it. It was a corny joke. But they're trying to make fun of them, trying to bully them. And that's what the enemy will try to do to you mentally. And God is saying, you don't have to be bullied when you know the truth and who's speaking the truth. That's where your confidence will come from. God has a plan for your life, but your pl the plan for your life is much bigger than this small ingredient. There's nothing wrong with the ingredient. I love being married, but if being married was my goal in life, I would be living a very different life. I wouldn't be up here. What would be the point? This is for you. Genuinely. I'm sharing this, studied all this, could have kept it to myself, right? But no, this is for you. Why? Because it's bigger than me. I'm starting to understand my place in God's kingdom and how he wants me to build. And part of how he wants me to build and wants Gabrielle to build and wants us to build together is by leading, shepherding, guiding you guys and having the honor to do that. I see the beauty in it. But man, if, if the goal of my life stopped at me and Gabrielle just looking at each other, <laughs> feeling emotions, we would be disappointed real quick because there's plenty of days where we wake up and don't feel that way. But we know what we're called to. We know, what, we know that God has placed us together. And so we link arms and we keep moving forward together in what God has called us to do. But some of us don't know what God has called us to do. 
or maybe don't believe that God has called us to do anything. But God wants you to be productive. God has a plan for your life. He wants you to build. And so I want us to keep reading. In, in uh, verses six through eight, uh, right after they're taunting them and all this stuff, Nehemiah says, so we built the wall and all the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. You know, it's halfway done because everybody was focused. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. Number two tactic is confusion. I found this fascinating that when this enemy that's being threatened by the building of this wall, which is ultimately gonna lead to the, the, the building of God's kingdom and the glorification of God and God's people, when the enemy hears this, their tactic is to go in and cause confusion. It doesn't say trying to tear stuff down. Again, trying to get the people who are building to stop building by causing confusion. And I believe that that's taking place all over the place in our society and specifically in the church. Enemy has a very sly way of operating by causing confusion. One of the things that I've found is that one of the things that, that takes people away from God is this idea of broken promises from God. God said that he would do this, and then he didn't. And I wanna talk about that for a moment because I believe there are seeds of confusion that have been sown into that area when it comes to what God has said and what he hasn't said. And we need to understand what a promise from God is because, man, I can't tell you how many times I've heard uh, about God promising someone being married by a certain age, being married to a particular person, being married, period, all these things, man. Promising someone that this relationship would work out, promising someone that, uh, that things would get better, just all these things. And I wanna dive into that a little bit. I think that we need to understand one, the difference between a promise and a prophecy. So, one of the ways that God speaks to his church, to his people, is through prophecy. Now, prophecy is someone being led by the Spirit of God to speak on behalf of God. But here's what we do with prophecy. The, the Bible also says that prophecy has to be tested. You don't just receive anything somebody says because they said it or because there's a pastor behind their name or a prophet behind their name. But the scripture says that everything will be confirmed. Let every word be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And so God will confirm what he's saying to you and it's still a prophecy, not a promise. Let me, let me help you understand the difference. Even Paul says about prophecy, he says we know in part and we see in part. We don't understand the whole thing and the fullness. We will know at some point when we step into eternity, we will understand all things. But at this time, people can get it wrong. And even you can get it wrong while you're testing it. And so, whereas prophecy is a beautiful thing and God uses it in his church and to encourage, he's not using it to condemn you. The book of James says that the wisdom from above is first of all peace loving and that God is not sending condemnation through prophecy. And so somebody may have spoken to you that God doesn't have a good plan for your life or that he's about to get you or that he doesn't have a husband or a wife for you or, and all that stuff, that's not God. 
God's not sending prophecies of, of negativity and condemnation toward you. That's not what's happening in his new covenant. That's not the function of prophecy, right? However, the promise is God's word. God's word doesn't need to be tested. God's word is eternal. God's word is confirmed. God's word is a guarantee. God's word, his, his God's word is a promise. Doesn't need to be tested. But when we have confusion in that area, it can really start to separate us from God and get us to start putting down our tools, getting us to separate and disconnect our hearts from God, not wanting to be building with him anymore, right? Because we are, our priorities start getting out of whack. We feel like he said something that maybe he didn't say. And I'm not telling you to toss your prophecies out the window. No, the Bible also says, do not despise prophecy. Do not. It's a gift from God. But you have to know how to steward prophecy. You have to know how to manage it. And that will take place as you test it with wise counsel, people that you know who really know the Lord, testing it according to the word of God and scripture. Does this line up with scripture? And the more you get to know God, he says his spirit will lead you into all truth that the Holy Spirit himself will be your teacher. And so he wants to lead you and teach you how to navigate these things. But the enemy wants you to be confused in this area. Why? Because he doesn't want you to be building anymore. And the last tactic that, uh, that they tried in here was fear. And we're gonna read about that in chapter six. Uh, verses one through two, then nine, then 12. It says, now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it. When he had accomplished what God was calling him to accomplish, they still tried to come after him. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono but they intended to do me harm. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. A little further down it says, and I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. And, um, actually that, that verse was supposed to have another one before it. Um, however, what's happening here is they hear that Nehemiah and his people had, been, uh, had built the wall, and so they send to him to come out, and he says, but they intended to do me harm. And what I wanted us to understand is that the, the enemy's invitation is always to do you harm. That's first thing. It's always to do you harm. And so the temptation that we experience is never into a better life. The temptation to stray from God, the temptation to break his commands, the temptation to break relationship with him, the temptation to step away from what he's calling us to do is always intended to harm you. It's never for your good because God's plans are for your good. So how could the temptation to step away from his good plan for your life be for your good? And it says that they wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done, saying, if we could just cause fear, then we'll get them to stop. How many of you guys have ever experienced fear? Yeah, all of you. Everyone's experienced fear. And the crazy thing about fear is fear at a certain level can be paralyzing. And that's one of the ways that the enemy will try to get you to stop. He'll try to start making you scared of all types of stuff. Scared that you'll never get married, right? Scared that things will never work out for you. Scared that all the things that you've dreamed of will never come to pass. Scared that God has forgotten about you. Scared that God doesn't have a good plan for you and none of it is true. Because it's a lie trying to birth confusion, trying to birth fear in your life. But God says that you have not been given a spirit of fear, 
but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And he's actually describing the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you, don't have, you haven't been given a spirit that makes you fearful. In fact, you've been given the spirit of God that causes you to have power and have love and have a sound mind and not be confused and not be fearful and not be bent to lies and not be double-minded and not be going this way and then that way and then this way and then that way. But he actually wants you to have clarity and walk in power that he's gifted you through salvation in Jesus Christ. He wants you to walk in power as you build what he's called you to build. But the enemy wants to scare you just to get you to stop, scare you about COVID, scare you about everything. I'm not saying not to exercise wisdom and precautions. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) But you have to manage and be self-aware enough to know when you're operating from fear. And don't be fearful and call it wisdom. Don't call fear wisdom. Recognize fear for what it is and then seek God for wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. Fear does not. Amen? All right, so I just want to share a few things about how we win the war. I talked a lot about what Nehemiah's enemies were doing against him, but I hadn't talked about what Nehemiah had done in response yet. How we win the war, number one, is prayer. And I would say this, prayer is not your last resort, it's your primary weapon. But for some of us, prayer has become a last resort. Why? Because we're spending all our time thinking about relationships, catering to relationships, being hurt by relationships, being made happy or joyful only by relationships. And we don't pray. If we pray, it's about relationships, right? Or we're salty about our relationships so we don't pray. But prayer is the key. Prayer is number one, it's your first weapon. So what Nehemiah did after the first taunt where They were trying to send lies. Says he prayed here, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Now, I don't encourage you to pray that prayer against people who are coming against you because Jesus says to love your enemies, right? Bless those who curse you. But what's taking place here is not so much that he's trying to call a curse on them, but he's saying, God, don't ignore what's taking place. We need you to fight on our behalf. We need you to show who you are. And in the same way, the Bible tells us that you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And so you don't pray against your human enemies. You don't really have human enemies. You have humans who can be used by the enemy. Because there is a real enemy who has a real agenda against you. But people, I would say that if someone has a specific agenda against you, it's much more spiritual than it is mental. There's actually a spiritual agenda behind that. That's what I believe was taking place here. The nuances of scripture, right? Where were all the demons at this point? Oh, probably dealing with Sanballat and Tobiah to get the Jews to not build the wall so that they couldn't build the temple. The unseen plan. And you can't come to a spiritual battle with physical weapons. As much as you might want to throw hands with the devil, you can't. But some of us, all we know how to do is throw hands and we don't know how to pray. (laughs) And you wonder why life is beating you senseless. Because we're not praying. And you can get to a place where you're so down you don't wanna pray and that's the worst place to be. I get there, everybody gets there, but you gotta get up out of there. 
because prayer is your primary weapon. And so you can show up to a battle and put your weapon down, but it's not going to go well for you because the enemy's still there to fight. He's not putting any weapons down. And God has a good plan for you. This is why he's given you powerful tools, powerful weapons. And this may not be something you're thinking about all the time because you're just trying to like do the right thing, right? And live a righteous life, but not exercise any authority. When Jesus said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I've given you authority and it has to be exercised. But if we don't exercise it, then the enemy's going to be trampling on us. When Jesus showed up on the scene, tons of people were possessed by demons. And it wasn't new. This had been taking place forever. It's just there was nobody with any authority to cast them out until he showed up. And then he transferred that authority to us. And so praying is very, very important. The second response that Nehemiah had uh, in verse 9 was after the, after the second attempt to cause confusion, it says, and we prayed to our God. Uh, but number two, the point is practical wisdom, right? So we have prayer and then we have practical wisdom. It says, we prayed to our God and, somebody say and, set a guard as a protection against them day and night. So sometimes we, oh, well, let me not say sometimes, we always need to pray, but we need to pray and, pray and. They prayed, but they also put a guard out there. Some of us need to pray and put a guard up in our lives. And it says guarding day and night. Some of us need to watch what we watch. Some of us need to not pick up the phone after a certain time of night, not look at it. Some of us need to stop watching ridiculous movies, TV shows, listening to stuff, reading these books, all this stuff that's filtering lies into your mindset and causing enmity with God in your heart, causing distance, and you're wondering why you feel stagnant, why you haven't been building the right things, because you're not hearing the right instructions. And especially when it comes to relationships, man, if we want wisdom to navigate relationships, it's only going to come from God. Um, and it's practical wisdom that helps us to get that. We're going to pray, but we're going to do practical stuff like set time to pray, set time to read the Bible, have boundaries in our dating lives, right? Not kicking it alone at two o'clock in the morning and then wondering why there's a baby on the way. I don't know. Can I be real? It's because these are things that, that a lot of us are actually going through, right? And some of it is because we're not exercising practical wisdom to win the war. There's a war going on against us, right? God's plan for your life is good. His plan for your life is good. And there is nothing in your life that he can't redeem, that he can't change. God knows he's redeemed my life after a ton of terrible decisions. I was making worse decisions than a lot of you. So no judgment, just trying to give wisdom. There is a war going on that we have to be aware of. And a lot of it is taking place up here. You need to pray. You need to use practical wisdom by setting up boundaries and guards to guard you day and night, if you keep falling into the same thing, you need to assess where it starts. And so some of you have been falling into the same patterns and you're not addressing the trigger. What's the trigger and how do I cut that off? Because I don't just slip and fall into this stuff. There's a process, it's a pattern, there's cycles, there are habits that we are walking in. And it's the practical wisdom that's gonna help with a lot of that. And the last thing is protect at all times. And so it says that when our, in uh, verse 15 of chapter four, when our enemies heard that it was known to us, 
and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. Then it says a few verses down, those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had a sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And what he's saying is they were working and ready for war at the same time. They were working. And it started by after God had frustrated the plan of the enemy of their, over their lives, it says, we returned to the wall, each to his work. I believe some of us need to return to our work. God is calling us back saying, look, you may have been distant. You may have been believing some lies. You may have been dealing with some confusion, right? You may have been dealing with some fear. I'm wanting to speak into those areas. I'm wanting to assist in those areas. I'm wanting to bless you. I'm wanting to show you the beautiful plan that I have for your life. But the plan for your life has to do so much with what I'm calling you to build. And so return. Some of us have put our work down. Some of us have put our purpose down because of this area of relationships. And God is saying, in order for the area of relationships to work, it has to work in accordance with what I'm having you build. So we need to put the leaven back in the cake and not be focusing just on the leaven. And we need to protect that at all times. And so the life of a follower of Christ is an awareness that we are working and we're warring. And that doesn't mean that we just live from this laborious place. He actually says if we abide in him and he abides in us, we will bear much fruit. So we can operate from a place of fullness and a place of rest in our work, from a place of fullness and abundance and joy, but we are also ready to protect what God has put in our lives to steward and protect at all times. And Ephesians 6 calls, calls the word of God the sword of the spirit. And some of us have not been using it. And man, I just want to encourage you that the word of God is where your life will be made whole, will be transformed, will be pointed in the right direction. He wants to take you in the right direction. He wants you to be building. He wants you to return to the work. And he wants you to have everything that you need in order to do it. So if you guys will stand to your feet, I just want to pray for us in this area. Because I know that God is wanting to do something special in our lives. And I know that he's calling us to build. But we need some assistance in doing that. And that only comes from him. So if you're by your heads, I just want to pray a blessing over you guys, over each and every one of us to navigate this area of life. Lord, I thank you for your truth. Lord, for the weapons that you've given us in this battle, Lord, this battle that a lot of us feel like we haven't signed up for. Lord, but that's waging in our lives, that's raging in our lives. And Lord, I just speak your blessing over each and every single person here. Lord, I pray for you to open our eyes, open our hearts to be able to receive your truth, Lord, to be able to receive what you're wanting to do in our lives, Lord, to be able to receive your plan for our lives. Lord, I hope, I pray that you will help us to have the hope that you've called us to, Lord. That you will restore hope in some of our lives, Lord. Some of us who have been feeling like we're losing hope and we're just hanging on for dear life. Lord, I pray that you will restore hope in the name of Jesus, Lord. We know that that can come straight from you by your spirit, Lord. And I believe you're doing that in some hearts right now. Lord, I thank you for your good plan, Lord. I thank you that each and every person listening online, each and every person in this building, Lord, if we could just understand what you wanna do in our lives, Lord, and that what you wanna do in our lives is good, there would be a peace and a fulfillment that would come with everything that we're doing with you, Lord. So help us to see it, because you said it's your spirit that works in us to desire 
to obey you, Lord, and to actually do it. So Lord, I pray for empowerment to actually live in accordance with your word. You said in Ezekiel that you would put a new heart and a new spirit in us, Lord, and that you would give us a heart that is tender and receptive to you, Lord, and that that our new heart, our new spirit would be able to walk in accordance with everything that you've called us to. So Lord, I thank you for new life. Thank you for new relationships, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the for the power, for the will, Lord, for the confidence, for the faith, for us to choose your way, to cut off the wrong relationships, God, to put down everything that's been keeping us from building what you're wanting us to build, from being in relationship with you, God, from knowing who we are in you. Lord, I ask that you would just help us to come back to work, to continue to return to the wall, to continue to build to continually be on guard knowing that you are our protector. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.